This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast, where we'll be reading through all four books in the Inheritance Cycle series, chapter-by-chapter, page-by-page. We'll also offer our own insights, theories, and first impressions of the wonderful world of Allegasia. May good fortune rule over you, may the stars watch over you, and may peace live in your heart. Hello and welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast where we talk about the Inheritance Cycle or Aragon books. I am one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm your other host, Shelby or Sheacup. And before we get started, I just wanted to remind you to please leave us a rating or review on Apple or Spotify. You can leave us five stars and on Apple you can leave a review with words and on Spotify you can comment on individual episodes. If you leave us some kind words with a five-star review, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. Shelby, do we have any more comments to read or... No, we don't. All right, that's fine. Well, then last thing is just join us on Discord and you can find that link in the episode description or you can go to our website, cupspodcasting.com and find the links there and you can come and hang out with us there. And so today we are talking about the chapter Hunting for Answers. And so this chapter begins with the bald man from last chapter leading Aragon through the tunnels, telling him to release his mental block so that they can probe his mind. Not willing to do so, Aragon insists on saving Arya's life first, saying that she needs the antidote to the poison that plagues her. The dwarf, who we learn's name is Oryk, argues for Aragon and soon realizes who Arya is and they let her go to the healer. It is then that the man begins to probe Aragon to discern who he is. Aragon attempts to defend, but only makes the probe more painful. However, he is able to, with the help of Sephira, to stop the man from reaching the deeper, darker secrets he doesn't want to share. The bald man finishes with Aragon after finding he is trustworthy and violently attempts to probe Murtag, who naturally resists. Oryk stands up for him as well and angers the man, pushing him to argue back that the dwarf should not have let these two into the mountain at all. When they finally learn that Murtag does not have any magical ability, they decide he is not a major threat and they leave him be, putting them all in a cell together. Murtag thanks Aragon for protecting his identity, and Aragon then asks more questions about Aragon's or about Murtag's father and his own identity. Murtag explains the horrors his father's committed against his mother and how he was raised in a palace after his mother uh, died and coerced to serve the king. When the king asked him to massacre innocent villagers, Murtag escaped and hid from him until he decided to follow the Razak and find the new rider. Aragon decides that Murtag has no reason to lie to them and resolves to trust Murtag. And that's the end. A lot happening in this chapter. I mean, not really. <laughs> A lot doesn't happen. They don't leave the room for the whole chapter. 
Right, but just a lot. I mean, you have the mind probes, lots of drama. We get a lot of information. A lot of things happen, but or we get a lot of information and a lot of lore dumping. But there's, again, not a lot of action, which we've had chapters like that in the past, too. So it's not a new thing at all. Um, But it was really interesting to me that at the beginning of the chapter, Aragon is like arguing with this man and being like no you have to get Arya you have to get Arya you have to get her first you have to do this first instead of just like shutting up and letting him do the mind probe which probably would have been quicker than arguing but yeah right um it's just interesting like of course like it just shows Aragon's kind of who he is he's like no we have to do this now she doesn't have much time even though he's standing there arguing for probably more time but i mean aragon is nothing if not a time waster to be fair that's true (laughs) uh but yeah we just get so much information in this chapter so we learn that the name of their location like where they are is farthender we learn we learn that um, there's all kinds of new people. We learn the names of these two guards, Er, Egraz, and Oric, and we learn another person that they've name dropped as Ajihad. Obviously, mm-hmm. we know about Arya already. Um, and and there's a lot more that we'll talk about at the end of this chapter, too, with Murtag, but I wanted us to kind of start with um the confirmation which we didn't get confirmed officially but the confirmation that aria is the elf from the prologue yes this is the final confirmation i said that i think it should be acknowledged that that was one of my predictions way back when um i will be honest reading this as like a 12 year old i did not make that connection into like oh okay yeah i remember that like when i was thinking that i was like oh like like i had forgotten the prologue by the time i reached the introduction of aria of course but i do think it's obvious like she's the only elf we've met so far in the story right um but so that's the first big thing which is a big callback to the beginning of the story and i just i guess i wonder how much how many more callbacks will there be back to the beginning um but we'll see so the big thing that kind of happens i guess there's two big things first is obviously this probe and then the kind of heart to heart the aragon and murtag have at the end but in the beginning with Aragon's probe I just want to talk about some of the things we learn in this because it's kind of a big development I think for the system of magic that we learn that Arya or that Arya that Saphira can block this man's probe because of her connection with Aragon and her magic she can overpower him in Aragon's mind yes so basically kind of how it works is that think of like I always imagine the mine as like a file cabinet and you're like moving through the little like tabs of the files until you find stuff 
And basically what Safira is doing is moving ahead of the person doing that and just taking the files from Aragon's mind into her own. Which allows her to hide Murtag's identity and Angela's prophecy and Solemn and just all kinds of stuff that he doesn't necessarily want this rando guy to know. But interestingly, Safira does not, she's not okay with hiding Murtag's identity. She doesn't want to do that. And they like have another mini argument right there. And I'm just like, the whole time Aragon's having all these arguments, I'm just like, you don't have time for this, bro. Like, this is an urgent situation. You need to develop more of a sense of urgency about you. Well, I think I think that it's because Aragon has like full conversations with Safira, and there's only a couple of instances where someone's like, Hey, there's been a couple minutes since you've said something. Can like what's going on? Which is one time when it was with Brom, and Brom's like, Hello, okay. And then another time another time is when Safira has Murtag and Aragon pinned and Murtag's like she gonna let us up and then of course the last one is when Aragon talks to Arya in her mind and they're like you've been staring standing there for 15 minutes <laughs> yes yeah so I it, it's unclear like how instantaneous the bond between Aragon and Safira is like how quickly they can converse see I don't think it's any different than speaking out loud Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like some people can think faster than they can talk. Yeah, but can you, like, communicate with another person your thoughts as fat? Like, I don't know. I just feel like... I feel like I know that it's in your own mind and and all of that, but I just don't think that you can think your thoughts in a cohesive way enough to communicate them with another being faster than you can talk or have a conversation right i think that it's important to note lore wise that aragon and Safira are not necessarily like communicating telep like telepathically as we would think of it like when aragon tries to communicate with other people's minds he's doing that but he and Safira have a bond that allows emotions and understanding to flow more freely between the two of them and mm -hmm. so they so, like, they can communicate quicker than, say, Arya and Aragon trying to communicate their minds because the moment of speech has to be made there. I don't know if, like, I think it's unclear whether or not it's actual speech or having the thought processes and what you say is just Poloni's way of communicating what they're doing with each other. I understand that. I just don't think it's realistic for a human being to not have to use words to communicate all of this information. I just don't see how it's possible. I just think the, the I kind of suspend this belief a little bit because of the the mind link that exists between Safira and Aragon. That it's more than just like me sending thoughts in words to you you are in my brain and like connected to it 
But it's not that, though, because when they're really far away, they can't communicate. That's true, but that's because magic. technically this is a form of magic, and magic depends on distance. Yeah. I- anyway, we are way off topic, majorly off topic. I just thought that was interesting and wanted to bring that up. But anyway, so Aragon really struggles with opening his mind up to... Ergraz, Egraz, whatever his name is. Um, and so he's having a hard time with this. But eventually the guy is, it was funny to me because he's very interested and it was something like in things that Aragon didn't think was going to be important ever. But like, of course, these things would be important. Like, who are your parents? Like, how did you grow up? How did like what got you to this point? And Aragon's like, ah, that's not important, whatever. And I'm like, of course, it's important. It made you who you are. But that's just right. youth, youth speaking. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't remember if we had learned Aragon's mom's name before in the book or if this is the first name drop of her. No, we learned it in Angela's chapter. Okay. Because that's right. that's, that's what gets him whole interested in the name Selena. He's like, well, that was my mom's name. Mm, yeah, that's right. So we get her name dropped again and Egraz is very interested in this. Um but eventually it's over, and the next thing that happens is this guy goes to probe Murtag's mind, and Murtag is like, absolutely not. Immediately, no. There's no way in hell that this is happening. And it was really interesting to me because we talk about Murtag being very emotionally intelligent. We talk about Murtag being an emo boy, and he uses logic to make his argument in this. His whole argument is that, well... I'm not letting you do this and you have no leverage over me because your whole leverage was I was the leverage for Aragon and I know you're not going to kill Aragon and Safira, so you have no leverage over me. Um, so I just thought that was a really interesting little twist for Murtag. Yeah. And then Safira says when Aragon's basically like, Safira, go help Murtag. She says, quote, um, he will allow no one into his mind. And we learn that uh, there's potentially a reason for that. Uh, it's just really funny because like it is a hundred percent how you would act. Even though you have nothing to hide or nothing like you would be like I'm on your side or whatever you'd be like you don't get to be that personal to me. True. Who the hell are you? I don't know who the, I don't know this man. No, I agree. <laughs> I I do. I love Murtag and I feel like I have personally a lot in common with him as a character. So you're 100% right and I stand by it. Um but I did bring another quote because I thought this was funny that um Safira says we must be careful it seems like we have as many enemies here as we did in the empire and I'm just like we knew that already we knew this was gonna happen Aragon clearly wasn't ready to face that but maybe he is now I think that it's an interesting realization Because Aragon knows that you do not have to be 
like painful when you're trying to communicate and search through someone's mind. Like you don't have to be forceful. And so I think he does note in this chapter that like there's like a sick cruelty in the man probing through his mind. And I think that this is another moment that like Aragon has to face with the fact that cruel people are everywhere, even if they are on the right side mm-hmm. or whatever. Even even when they're in the good organizations, like, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Cruelty is everywhere. And I think this brings up an interesting point that it seems to me, at least, that there's major infighting within the Varden or maybe even just these these few people that we've met so far, because Oric and Egraz, like, they are butting heads and Egraz, like, yells at Oric and it's like, how dare you, how dare you have how dare you have the right to criticize me in front of these people? How dare you do all these things to disagree with me? And so I don't know if that's infighting or as much as this Egras guy's on a power trip or maybe all of the above, but yeah, definitely. Right. Um, yeah. I can't rem- quite remember exactly if it's this chapter or the next chapter, but does Oric mention the King in this chapter? He does in this chapter. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Very briefly. It's just like one one sentence. Right. So we got we got a king and we got Ajahad, which Ajahad is a name we've heard before. You might not remember it, but I'll remember it. It is briefly mentioned in the conversation that Aragon eavesdrops between Brahm and Jode. That's right. It is, yeah. Absolutely it is. Um interesting. But anyway, so that's kind of the end of everything that happens with with the probes. The guys leave and they're alone. And it's funny that like Murtag and Aragon, they get to talking and I'm like, okay, they're going to make up. They're going to be fine. And then immediately they're arguing again. And I'm just like, okay, so we're back to this. But Murtag does basically like give his whole life story. So there is so much lore drop in this um just pretty much all of it is straight lore so we learn a lot of things i made a list we learned that morzan murtag's father met murtag's mom in a small village she fell in love with him morzan wasn't really in love with her he used her basically as like a servant and as just a person to torment um we learn that she became his most trusted servant because he knew she would never betray him. Um, he taught her magic three years after they met. She gets pregnant with obviously Murtag and Morzan took them to his castle in secret because none of the other forsworn have children and he wanted to keep it secret um, but interestingly, Galbatorix knew the whole time, but didn't reveal this to anyone, which of course he was waiting to use at the most opportune time. Um, we also learned that Murtag and his mom were kept separate. So like he, it seems to me like he basically had a life of complete and total isolation. Um, and then Morzan is summoned to look for the egg of Saphira or something. I don't know. Um, and the mom disappears and all the other Forsworn have been dying off or killing themselves. And then finally, obviously, as we know, uh, Morzan dies as well. 
And at this point, we learn that Murtag has gone into the home of Galbatorix, which I am claiming. I'm claiming this as me being right in a prediction because I was halfway there that he he was kind of at least the ward of Galbatorix. So I'm claim I'm claiming that for myself. That's that's another point okay. for me. Okay. Anyway, I'll give you half a point. Three quarters, please. I'll do three quarters. Okay, Miss Negotiator. <laughs> um, anyway, so basically the last thing we learn in this chapter is that Galbatorix invites Murtag to dinner and like paints him this picture of his vision for Alagazia and he uses this weird voice and Murtag is like entranced by him and totally buys into this vision um, until months late and he leaves and then months later Galbatorix is like okay remember the vision I painted for you now go do this but this time Murtag's like oh shit he's crazy like crazy crazy I can't do this and tries to peace out um, and he does peace out and fights a bunch of people and his friend Tornag dies and then eventually that's what leads him to the story Um, I just really want to talk about here what really stuck out to me this time is the fact that from the get-go in this story, we get this painting that Galbatorix thinks he's a benevolent ruler. Which makes him all the more dangerous, in my opinion. See, that's interesting because I kind of read this differently I read this as Galbatorix is so unhinged. He's actually crazy. Like he's, he's insane. He doesn't know who he is. Like he doesn't, he doesn't have the capacity to rule anymore. And so I just kind of made the assumption that his courtiers, his assistants, his basically the people that are supporting him are the ones doing the actual ruling. Well, you could definitely see that because the rumor is like Galbatorix has not left uh, Urbane since forever. Like that's the whole thing of a lot of people saying like he doesn't go anywhere. Like the first time we see him traveling is he's traveling from Urbane to Drosleona. And so what happens like. Yeah. Um. But I do think that, like, he thinks that he is committed to this vision that he paints Murtag, but committed almost to a fault that anyone, I think he thinks he's the hero. Mm. He's the hero. He's, well, I'm not going to say anymore because I am probably <laughs> bringing, bringing future knowledge. I'm basically, like, interpreting this with knowledge of the rest of the story. Okay. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting situation. Um, he's not just like a, a cruel king who like wants to be cruel for the sake of being cruel. He's not just a power hungry maniac. He's not just an old man who has no thoughts anymore. Like it's not as clear cut as that. Right. He's not he's not Emperor Palpatine who just wants to see suffering for suffering's sake. Right, absolutely. Oh, and the last thing I wanted to mention before we get into my predictions is Murtag is so interesting to me. He's such an interesting character um, because he 
at the end basically is like, I don't like the Varden because I think that they only cause chaos and make things harder for the people in the empire. I don't like the empire either, but their system is right. Their system is good and it should be upheld. And I'm like, do you really think that? Or do you just think that because you haven't seen an alternative yet? I think, and maybe you can get into the predictions, but I think that with Murtag, his motivation and his characterization of people is based 100% on how they have, how he has interpreted, at least, for them treating him. Like, so, for example, like, he thinks the Empire is okay because, you know, Galvatorix left him alone for most of his life. So his early life, like, he hates Morzan, he hates all of that because Morzan was cruel and all of that. And But he has a fondness for the court, probably because he was left alone and people were just like, well, you're a noble, you're whatever, like, we don't really care what you do, you don't cause a lot of trouble, he probably was well fed. So he has, like, this affinity for this system. Whereas the Varden have always had a moment of, as he says, a moment of distrust of him and, you know, treated him this way. So he just, I think his whole lens is skewed between Mm -hmm. how he has treated and whether if those organizations are good is based on how those organizations have treated him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Absolutely. But that leads me into my predictions because my very first prediction is that I think Murtag this is very much just remaining vestiges of loyalty to the empire that we're seeing in him. And I think he's going to rethink that once he sees other systems of government, once he sees the way that this place operates, I think he's going to rethink that. Mm -hmm. And then my second prediction is that I do think Arya is going to survive. Well, we'll just have to wait and find out. Yes, we will. All right. On a scale of one to ten, because I know you've read the chapter before. You mean the next one? How On the next one. But how hard was it to not keep reading? Well, not really, because I was really behind and basically like read up until right now. But yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. (laughs) The drama is kicking up. It is. It is very much kicking up. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Inheritance Cycle. Oh, I forgot to ask you. We're going to stop by that. So go back. I have one more question to ask you, which is, I want your, like, opinion. I know we didn't get a lot of them, but, like, your opinion on the bald man whose name I never can pronounce or remember, and you'll learn why in a minute, and Oric. Two new characters were introduced to. Well, I like Oric. I don't like Eggman. Oh no. It's coming <laughs> back. It's it's coming everywhere. Okay, you you've got to re, re- rephrase that sentence. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like the Eggman is not no. Dragon Age fandom is about to become unhinged <laughs> at what I just said. Uh, okay. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on from that. No, I did like Auric. I'm intrigued. I do feel like this Egras guy is um I feel like he took his authority to a level that was not granted to him and I feel like he's I want him to get punished for it. 
we'll just have to wait and find out. That is true. But thank you all for listening to the Inheritance Cycle Page by Page podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Inheritance Cycle Page by Page podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Inheritance Page or email us at inheritancepage at gmail.com. Make sure you join us on Discord in the Cups podcasting and more. All links are in the episode description. May good fortune rule over you. May the stars watch over you and may peace live in your heart.